Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. This is our waiver wire show comes down every Tuesday to help you guys out with your Tuesday night waivers and your high stakes waivers that take place on Wednesday night. I don't actually know why uh, the high stakes waivers take place on Wednesday and regular leagues go on Tuesday. I would think that, uh, you know, Yahoo and ESPN leagues should make the normal waiver wire day on Wednesday. It allows us to get more information, allows us to get a day of practices, but nevertheless, we persist. I play in uh, many of those home league style leagues myself. So every week on the show, if this is your first time listening, we go through the high priority, the potential difference maker ads, then the borderline starters, and then some deep league targets and uh, bench stashes. And we actually have two pretty solid names at the top of the list this week. We have Duke Johnson and Kalen Balazs. And basically, if Duke Johnson is out there on your waiver wire, I think that he is probably the best ad that we are going to see for the rest of the season. So whatever you have left, I think you basically need to plan on spending that on Duke Johnson. David Johnson was knocked out of the Texans last game with a concussion. uh, And Duke Johnson then had 20 touches and also scored a goal line touchdown. I've already done projections for this week. Duke Johnson looks like a top 12 running back this week for the Texans. Now, If your waivers are on Wednesday, maybe there's a chance that we get a report on David Johnson and it seems like he is going to be healthy, you know, seems like he has gotten through uh, the protocol maybe a little bit faster than you would have expected. But I am planning on starting Duke Johnson this week in all the leagues where I have him, and I think that he is the top priority ad of the week. However, I think that this second ad maybe has a little bit more upside, and that is Kalen Balaj. Justin Jackson was only able to play three snaps in the Chargers game on Sunday. If he was to miss a little bit of time, I actually think that we will project Kalen Balaj to be the lead running back for the Chargers. Josh Kelly had only 14 touches on Sunday. Troy Main Pope missed week nine with a concussion, but Pope played ahead of Kelly in week eight. I think everything that we are getting from the Chargers is that they are souring on Josh Kelly compared to their usage from earlier on in the season. Doesn't look like Austin Eckler is going to be back anytime particularly soon. So, Kalen Balaj, I I think he is a really high priority ad this week. He is a really solid um like size speed guy. He's 6'2, 228 pounds, ran a 4.46 at the combine. But I think what's even more interesting is that he has been mired in basically some of the worst situations in football when he has been given playing time. So we we saw him with the Jets earlier this year. We saw him with the Adam Gase Dolphins in 2018. Then we saw him with the Brian Flores Dolphins last year. But the only time that Balaj got any playing time 
was when they were terrible, right? Was when Josh, uh, you know, was when Josh Rosen was the quarterback. So I'm not really holding anything against Kalen Balazs at this point that we've seen in his career. And I think he is a super strong ad these week. Both of these guys, I would be comfortable spending large amounts of remaining fab on pending the results that we're going to get from Justin Jackson South and pending the results from David Johnson's concussion test. Also, one of the things I think I should have mentioned with Duke Johnson is, you know, there's a chance that Duke Johnson just plays much better than David Johnson. He was good in week nine and with another, you know, really good performance in week 10 with David Johnson out. I think that we probably will be able to see Duke Johnson earn a larger share of this backfield moving forward. So now moving on to some of the more intermediate style targets, we have Corderell Patterson and Ryan Nall. David Montgomery has also entered into the concussion protocol. Uh, and also David Montgomery has been terrible. He leads the NFL in points under expectation in this backfield since week four. And, you know, without David Montgomery active, they really have not uh, given any other running backs work in uh, the backfield. Like it's really just been all David Montgomery. It's it's Patterson and Nall who were there. And then Artavis Pierce. I mean, maybe you could do like a $0 bid on Artavis Pierce. Patterson is not eligible at running back, but I think that he would be the first guy to get a crack at the running back job. If for whatever reason, David Montgomery is not able to play in week 10, after David Montgomery went out, uh, Cordell Patterson had three rushing attempts for 13 yards, four targets for four receptions. And if, you know, if we look at the snap counts in that game, we see that Cordell Patterson played 17 snaps, 22% total. Uh, Ryan Nall played 10 snaps, 13% total. Uh, Artavis Pierce got in the game for uh, one for one offensive snap. It was his first offensive snap of his career. So I would rank them Patterson, Nall, then Pierce. And of course, you guys know I love Corderell Patterson, and I I think that he has the, at least the ability to be explosive. Like there's just no explosive ability with Ryan Nall. And Nall is really more of like an H-back style player. You know, he's 240 pounds, kind of looks like a, a Mike Allstott type. Big throwback there for my Mike Allstott truthers. Uh, if anyone remembers him, and if you're young, go up and look Mike Allstott. He was uh, quite a, a unique guy in the history of the NFL. But personally, I am partial to Patterson here because I think he, he at least works in a little bit as a pass catcher. But both of them are decent ads this week. Moving on to two Denver Broncos, we have Tim Patrick and KJ Hamler here. I, you know, I assume that Noah Fant is owned in every league. We saw uh, Albert Akui Boonham tear his ACL in Week Nine, but more importantly, we really have just seen Drew Locke get in these game scripts where uh, they they just keep chucking the ball. Right, forty pass attempts against Kansas City, forty one pass attempts in the win against the Chargers, forty eight pass attempts against the Falcons, three hundred thirteen passing yards against the Falcons. I don't think Drew Locke is good, and we are going to talk about him a little bit later as well. But I think that. This offense looks like such a high-volume passing offense at this point that even the secondary guys like Patrick and Hamler need to be owned. You know, we think that Jerry Judy and Noah Fant are probably going to, you know, accumulate about 50% of the Broncos' targets in, targets in any given week. But Tim Patrick has now seen seven-plus targets in three of his last four games, scored twice, and gone over 100 yards twice in those games as well. Hamler scored two weeks ago. 
but now Hamler is really playing the slot now, and he saw 10 targets, caught six of them for 75 yards against the Falcons. Hamler probably runs like a 4-3-5-40. He didn't run at the combine because he was banged up. But just anyone who's kind of that electrifying style of athlete, I want to get on my teams. So I prefer Hamler to Patrick as an ad, but I think both of them should probably be rostered in 12-team PPR leagues. The two guys who I think are the most interesting waiver wire ads, though, are Richie James Jr. and Jacoby Myers. Richie James had just this insane game against the Packers, 13 targets, 9 receptions, 184 yards, 1 touchdown on 89% of the team's snaps. It was also reported heading into that game that he himself was banged up, but with all the injuries and COVID-19 contact tracing decimating the 49ers roster, there really was no one else for them to turn to. Uh, Now, Brandon Ayuk and Curtis Samuel have already been activated from the COVID IR list, and Ayuk is definitely going to be back this week. However, I think James should leapfrog Kendrick Bourne, and without George Kittle and with Jarek McKinnon, you know, he's he's fighting a a dead leg, I think is the way that Kyle Shanahan put it. I I actually think that James is going to keep a pretty solid snap and target share. Now, his targets per route run is probably not going to be great with Ayuk active. However, I think that he will probably play the Brandon Ayuk role, and then Brandon Ayuk is going to play the Debo Samuel role. So there there should be, you know, five to seven targets is kind of going to be the median target projection for James on an average week. And, you know, he looked good to me. Like, I, I watched some of that game back, and he just looked like a guy who should be owned in 12-team PPR leagues. That's not very scientific, but he looks really strong to me personally. Then Jacoby Myers is the other super fascinating guy because he is just a clear number one wide receiver on the Patriots. He has 6, 10, and 14 targets over the Patriots' last three games. Uh, In that game against the Jets on Monday night, he had 12 receptions, 169 yards, and no touchdowns. And to me, he looks like a guy you just should not leave out there. Like He actually maybe should even be in the potential difference-making category because we saw him get on the field early last year And that's always a big thing for undrafted free agents and rookies in general is getting on the field as a rookie is a great sign. Now, he's not like a crazy athlete or anything, a 4'6", 340, a breakout age of 20, you know, a 25% dominator rating in college. Like he mostly looks fine, but I think that the fact that the Patriots just need someone to throw to, right? Ryan Izzo, uh, these guys, Gunnar Olazweski, these guys are, are really not getting the job done. So there's just such a huge role out there right now for Jacoby Myers. He is probably the best wide receiver ad of the week. Then we have Michael Pittman Jr. I don't need to belabor the point here very much. Uh, you know, rookie wide receivers have just been so good to us this year, and I want to get back on the train with Pittman Jr. His playing time saw a big spike this last week for the Indianapolis Colts. He was up to 89% of the team snaps without T.Y. Hilton and without Jack Doyle on uh, Thursday night. You know, I, I think that we should see, you know, again, another 80 to 90% snap share, another six to 10 targets for Pittman Jr. And Pittman Jr. was a really good college player final season 101 receptions over uh over 1200 yards 11 touchdowns like just a a really solid college player at usc so i'm really wanting to add Pittman this week then a couple decent running back ads here we have matt Breida, who well 
so Matt Breida, Salvin Ahmed, and uh, DeAndre Washington are all good dart throws this week because Miles Gaskin is not going to play. It's not going to surprise me if after a really lackluster game, Jordan Howard goes back to being a healthy scratch. Patrick Laird is going to see you know work on passing downs, but Malcolm Perry and Lynn Bowden are basically practicing as wide receivers. Malcolm Perry only played wide receiver last week. So I one of Breida, Ahmed, or DeAndre Washington should be a startable running back moving forward. Ahmed led the team in rushing this last week, and Tua was actually the team's second leading rusher. Brita, to me, profiles like the difference maker. I've already, you know, kind of fumbled the football around with DeAndre Washington this year already because I really liked him as a handcuff in Kansas City, and that really did not play out. But Brita is dealing with his hamstring injury, so I think he'll go pretty like if he's on your waivers, I think he will go sort of under the radar. And he is the dart I most want to throw because he has the athletic profile of someone who can be a difference maker and also get some work in the passing game, which did not happen for any of the Dolphins running backs last week, except for Patrick Laird. Then a quick note on Devontae Booker. Uh, Booker played only 13 snaps last week, but had eight rushes on them. And to me, and to, you know, uh, some of the, you know, the pro football focus advanced metrics and stuff, Booker has looked like the better rusher than Josh Jacobs this year. And I, I just think that Booker now is kind of in that premium tier of handcuff where if something happened to Jacobs, it looks like he is in that Mike Davis, Tony Pollard, Boston Scott tier of, you know, really elite fantasy, uh, running backs, right? So where, where if one injury happens, he ends up being a fantasy starter couple deep league targets and bench stashes here. We have Irv Smith Jr. Only ran nine routes against the Lions, played 21 snaps, but I'm not really concerned about the peripherals because we're seeing a huge leap in targets per route run for Irv Smith Jr. Uh, early on in the season, he was kind of mostly blocking and not really being targeted, but he is clearly ahead of Kyle Rudolph. And as Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson's target shares have decreased a little bit, we've seen an increase in Irv Smith Jr.'s. But the most encouraging thing was just that the team was clearly designing red play uh, red zone plays to go directly to Irv Smith Jr. And, you know, any tight end who just is going to be getting end zone targets has got to be owned because the position has just been so brutal this year. Uh, then we have Jacob Hollister, who out of nowhere had seven targets, secured five of them for 60 yards. And I think it's because Will Disley and Greg Olson have just been terrible. They are, they're looking for a third guy to take some pressure off of Metcalf and Lockett. You know, the Seahawks have been throwing so much. They just had that horrible game against the Bills. I think that they're going to be much better this week against the Rams. But we just want to have pieces of some of these really explosive passing offenses. And it looks to me like the team at least is wanting Hollister to trend in that direction. Now, this could be a total one-week aberration, so I probably wouldn't do more than like literally like $1. But he saw his season high in snaps, season high in snap share last week against the Bills. Um, and, you know, and maybe we get a report this week on like why that happened or something. That would be nice to get. I'm not exactly sure, of course, but Hollister is a guy definitely that uh, I am interested in adding. And then I, I wanted to drop a note here on Drew Locke. He ran a little bit last week. He had seven rushing attempts for 47 yards, scored the rushing touchdown. But just the way that the Broncos are calling these plays, 
Drew Locke is looking a little Blake Bortlesian from back in 2017. So Locke looks to me like a kind of decent streaming quarterback and is a guy that I would add right now. Then we have Jakeem Grant, who should assume a larger role in the passing game for the Dolphins now. Preston Williams got banged up. Uh, the other wide receivers there are guys like Malcolm Perry and Mac Hollins. So, you know, not guys that I think profile. It's like every down wide receivers and you know if you just are, are working on projections if you if you follow projections it's going to be hard to to make grant you know a, a non-starter uh this week and then one other one other name olamid zacchaeus we thought that christian blake would be the direct backup for for calvin ridley but that did not happen and it was zacchaeus if ridley misses in week 11 the falcons have their bye week this week i think that Zacchaeus looks like kind of like uh, just the the straight up Falcons third wide receiver. Uh, he played 73% of the snaps, had six targets, 103 yards, and a touchdown against the Denver Broncos. He looks, you know, kind of interesting to me. So he is another guy that I think is worth adding. And that should mostly do it this week. I guess if Jordan Reed is still sitting out there on your waiver wire or if he gets dropped this week, he would be a guy I would look to pick up because I think he probably wasn't 100% healthy in that Thursday night game against the Packers. And now with, you know, 10 days to rest, looks like he should be back to full health. So everyone, that is the week 10 waiver wire. Hope that was useful. Hope that was helpful. Continued good luck in all of your leagues. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.